Welcome to the NECF podcast, where we share our weekly sermons and faithfully interpret the Bible to encourage and direct you on your spiritual path. My dressing matters to God and has a great impact on me and to others. We're our devoted pastors and special guests delve into the depths of the Bible, exploring its profound lessons and useful applications for your daily life. Join us as we explore the timeless truth that have the power to change people's hearts and minds, promoting a closer relationship with God and a firm belief in His promises. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8. Verse 8 said, For you were once in darkness, but now you are in light in the Lord. Work as children of light. Work as children of light. That's the text where the theme of this year was taken. We were considering the theme of the year, Work as children of light. Work as children of light. I know that today is going to be a So today we will, I just prepared this slide because I feel it will help us with clarity and um, we will follow fast. This is a burden in my heart, especially in our generation. And that I believe that it's time for us to talk about issue of dressing. It's not a comfortable thing to do, but it's very important we talk about it. And because we're talking about children of light, in fact, in scriptures, everything about the believer's life is clarified. The way we should speak, the way we should conduct ourselves, the way we should love, even the way we should dress is addressed in scripture. And now, this teaching is a series of teaching which I will start today. Subsequently, we shall talk about other aspects of dressing. It's very crucial, I believe, that the Lord will help us and all for his glory that we might be edified. Amen. Amen. So, today we will uh, actually talk on this topic, expressing your gender distinction in dressing. 
expressing your gender distinction in dressing. This is the issue we will talk about today. And initially, you know, I'm a data scientist and I analyze data. Recently, I analyzed a data that uh, was collected here in Cyprus, all international students, and it was, well, I knew it might exist, but it's a bit shocking to know that the, the first thing I discovered when I was analyzing the data is the gender. And in the gender, although in the questionnaire, the researcher indicated male or female, but it didn't make that place mandatory. So other people have to find a space and add another one. So, and interestingly, I was curious. So when I coded the everything, I put it into the software. So, but I wanted to know, let me see the demography of this thing. So I went back to the raw data. I began to search and search. Then I discovered that among the international students, Africans are among about 20%, about 20% identify as either lesbian or gay or bisexual. But then I wanted to know which African, African country. <laughs> well, it's just out of my curiosity. So I, I, I went and I sat and discovered Nigerians are more. Well, so imagine now, that's to say probably there are a number of people that just feel that, okay, since they say male or female, let's just pick anyone. But this one deliberately did not want to be, I mean, identified in any of this because it wasn't even in the questionnaire itself at the beginning. So it got me concerned that about 20% of uh, such I mean, the data, we could have that considerable number, I mean, percentage of people who do not want, and they're young people, between the ages of 18 and actually 35. So it was a bit, it's a concern to me, and I know it's a concern because this is not what we used to hear in Africa. That one makes this issue of these teachings very important. You know, most times when we talk about issue of dressing, the first thing we talk about is the issue of uh, trouser, issue of decency. Yes, we will talk about those things because we want to dig into the scripture to know what the Lord is saying for us. Because our concern is not whether the truth is comfortable to you or not. Our concern is that we want to serve God properly. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want you to repeat this with me. Understand? I want you to repeat with this with me. My dressing matters, My dressing matters. to God, God. And, it it and it has an impact, and it has a great impact, has a great impact. On, me on me and others. And others. My, dressing matters My dressing matters to God, to God. 
and has a great impact on me and to others. Now, all what we will be talking about is to see this truth. A lie has been sold to us that God does not care about our dress. It's not true. It's unbiblical. It's not scriptural. We want to see how our dressing matters to God and how our dressing also impacts on us. You'll be shocked to understand that. That our dressing impacts on us terribly. And how also it also impacts on others. Now let's begin. Actually, there are a lot of texts in the Bible that are very difficult to interpret. And that's why I believe when my brother was <laughs> reading that scripture, you know, everybody was laughing. <laughs> First Corinthians 11 is one of the serious um, texts in the scriptures. And what makes it complicated is because there are a lot of controversy around scriptures like that. Understand, and there's no argument in the body of Christ concerning which one is which. And actually, the easily inclined instinct is to avoid those places. And most sincerely, most pastors, the best way to do is just to run away from those patterns which seems controversial. I mean, very difficult to interpret. I mean, to just follow uh, love the Lord. That just preach on the, the Lord is your shepherd. Understand? And many of those things that are just straightforward that doesn't need a lot of thinking. But when it comes to the issue of dressing, among any other issues, it appears a difficult matter to talk about, especially in our time. However, as pastors, we have a commitment from God to teach the whole counsel of God. Not just the ones that are so easy to interpret. And I want to leave with this, you with this scripture in Acts chapter 20, verse 26 to 27. It said, therefore I testify. This is Paul talking to the elders in Ephesus before he left for Jerusalem, where he was uh, arrested and all that, some of his difficult uh, times. He said, I therefore testify to you this day that I am innocent to the blood of all men, for I have not shown to declare to you the whole counsel, not some of them, so we will not in this church, by the grace of God, shun to declare to you the whole counsel of God, not some of them. And so, my brother read 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's look at particularly what this text is saying. Now, the Corinthians church is a church with many problems. You know, it's one of the churches that is not an ideal church because the problems are too much. Sometimes you just wonder, is it, is it, is it church like this? And yet, you see, 
People are drunk during communion. Pagan practices, you see division, you say, I'm for Paul. This one say, I'm for Apollos. You know, we have party, PDP, APC, and all those kind of things, and many of our other African people. So, and then some are sleeping with the immorality is rampant. Someone is even sleeping with his father's wife. And there's nothing there. Nobody said anything. And Paul was so angry with that and said, get him out and give his body to the devil so that his soul will be saved. It's so terrible. Yet this is the same church that is full of manifestations of the gifts of the spirit. And Paul was concerned. If you look at all the scriptures, especially 11, 12, when gifts are talking about 13, law, 14, issue of order. Paul was concerned that there ought to be an order in the way worship is conducted. And so sometimes, you know, there are some people I've heard the people, some people say, we wish we are like the first century church, you know, sir, in the old time religion. Not that this kind of a church. Not this kind of a church, actually. So, the verse 3, let's begin from verse 3. And I want us to follow together. Maybe I'll be moving a bit because I want response to us. These scriptures have been more than terrible. Now, but I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of every and the head of the woman is what? And the head of Christ is who? Is God. Now, I want you to think. Please, when you read the Bible, don't just come with the background that you know. Remove whatever you know and allow the Bible to speak. The question, the first thing you need to ask is that what is this head? First, you have to clarify it. Are we together? So what is this head? Does it mean this one above my shoulder? Is that what he's saying? Now, if you say this one, what is Paul is saying is this one above your shoulder. Then does it make sense to say that the head of Christ, have you seen the head of Christ? Are we together? He himself is the head of the church. And what does that mean when the Bible says he's the head of the church? Eh? He oversees. Huh? Are we together? Good. Very wonderful. Now, when it says this head, we need to clarify. And of course, overseer, authority, leading. Are we together? So it means authority. And this authority doesn't mean uh, brutality. We, we have to understand that. This talks about leadership. This talks about um, overseeing. Are we together? So here, Paul was talking about the order of what? Authority. Now we can substitute that as authority. The man is the authority over the woman. And Christ is the authority over the man. Are we together? 
Now, are we certain this understanding is okay? Now, I want you to also note that don't read the Bible and separate them together. It's a flow of thoughts. This was a foundation in which Paul was speaking. Okay. Now, let's go to verse 4 to 6. And every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. Now, we have now an introduction of two heads here. Are, are we together? So, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonor her head. For that is one and deceptive as if her head was shaved. So what that means is that it means if the head is uncovered, there is a dishonor. And it's the same thing as saying shaving the head. So it means uncovering is dishonoring and shaving is dishonoring. Are we together? Uh-huh. Please don't bring your culture first. Just read the Bible and allow it. You know this is our problem. Just read it. Are we together? The best thing is to observe and understand. Just be observing and understand what the text is saying. Yes. So, for if a woman is not covered, let her also be shunned. But if it is shameful, already we have seen here because the shaving is dishonoring. Are we together? So if it is shameful for a woman to be shown or shaved, let her cover it. So what we are trying to see is like now shaving and uncovering are the same. Now, as I said, we have to clarify this. Now, the first head Having his head covered, this head means, this one with the green, it means this part of the body above the head. Are we together? Now, and the head here means authority. We have already clarified that. Are we together? So now, let's understand it again. This is clear. Forget about your culture or anywhere. Now, this is what it said. That when a woman, you understand, refused to cover her head, her head, you understand? This head, it means she dishonor her authority, which is the man. Are we together? And at the same time, when a man covers his head, eh, he dishonors Christ, who is the authority. Are we together? Are we here? Okay. Now, so a person's way of dressing, because this is dressing. You understand? This is part of dressing. So, what can we learn quickly here? That a person's dressing can communicate disrespect or dishonor. Are, are we together? Are we together? So, please, I want you to pay attention to this. That's one of the big lessons, because at the end of the day, we get a lot of lessons, but quickly we can extract some few things as we go. Now, uncovering of a woman's head, that's the part of our body, which signifies dishonor, is the same, which we have already clarified, is the same as having a head shot. It's also dishonoring. It's also dishonoring. 
Now, I want I don't want you to forget this. Now, please, I don't want you to forget this. Don't forget that this letter is to who? Is to who? Good, good. This is one very important thing. That means this letter was not written to you first and foremost. Are we together? Yes. It was written to the Corinthians. So you must remove yourself first and then you read it as if you are reading a letter written to someone. And now observe it, what is happening. That's the first thing to do. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 15 that for whatsoever we are written before, we are written for our learning that through the patience and comfort of scriptures, we might have hope. That is, it was written for our learning. It was not written to us. It was written for us. Is that okay? Good. Now, let's go to verse 7 to 8. Verse 7 to 8. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and the glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but the woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of what? On her what? Now, what is this head? What is this head? This one above your shoulders. Are we together? The part of the body. Now, but what is the meaning of this? That means what she puts as covering of her is what? A symbol. A symbol of authority. Please, I want you to pay attention to this. It's a symbol of authority. It signifies that she is under authority. And I don't want you to forget that this letter is to the Corinthians church. First, remove yourself out of it. Because I have to keep reminding you of this because, you know, we have found, especially in our, this thing, the first thing you come to the word is that, and Abraham moved and returned from Egypt, and he comes with cattle and plenty of goals. Then we say, You will go with plenty of goals. You see that? Yeah. Declare it, you will go with plenty of goals. You see? <laughs> You see, as you are, I don't even know how, that's where we get a lot of problems. Because immediately you come, the next thing is that you want to carry it and paste it on yourself. Remember we say it's, it's for our learning. So we will first and foremost read it and understand it, then apply it. Last, I think some months ago or last year, we dealt with a lot of things that has to do with Biblical interpretation, observation, and application. A man's authority over the woman is depicted in creation. This is what we can learn from here quickly. Because Paul is trying to make an argument that this issue of a man being the authority or the head 
of a woman is already signified, revealed even in creation. That when God created Adam first, and then the woman's body second, and he created her from the body of the man, that was a message to show that the man is the leader. For the man is authority. A woman's head covering is a symbol, just like we said, showing that the woman is under authority. And a man keeping his head uncovered symbolizes that the man has authority. That the man is the leader. A woman covering her head symbolizes what? Submission, that she's under authority. God does not want it reversed. That he does not want the woman to be the head. And does not want the man to be the one to be following. We saw that in Genesis, when there was a flip, commotion happened. So we can learn quickly also here that dressing can communicate submission or rebellion to God's order or principle of his word. So that means it's not only our thoughts that can speak. It's not only our mouth that can speak words. It's not even only our body, what we call body language. But we have dressing language. We have what we call dressing language. That your dressing can communicate. And so it must be clear that authority, please, is very important. I make this because from the scripture, we're trying to learn this. It is very clear to see that, that authority does not in any way mean superiority. And when Apostle Paul said, but I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman is man and the head of Christ is God. He was not saying that the man is superior to the woman. Because of course we have seen, if we said that the head of Christ is God, we are not saying that, that God is superior to Christ. Because we know they are the same. The same God, they are equal in power, in essence, and everything. So the woman is not inferior to the man. And so, again, we saw that there is an interdependent in that scripture. It shows to us that none of them is dependent from each other. It also tells us that this is a very wonderful indication that both of them are vulnerable. And so verse 11, please be patient. If you are reading scripture to understand, you have to be patient. Nevertheless, neither is the man independent of the woman, nor the woman independent of the man. For as woman came from the man, even so 
also comes through the woman. But all things are from God, which we have already established. So although God's ordained function or role for the man and the woman is different, neither is superior or more valuable than the other. A man and a woman has equal value. In creation, we saw that. Genesis 1.27, so God created man generic in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, how many? Male and female, he created them. Again, in Christ, we've seen this essence that they have same value. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew or Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Male and female are all one in Christ. Are all one in Christ. So another truth to quickly take away here is that our roles are depicted in our sexes. Our roles. This is a profound truth. You see, that is why it makes it anti-God to deviate from the sexes God has ordained because you will be deviating from the function and the order of God. So any action, any behavior, any assertion, any speech, or dressing that depicts that there is no difference between a male and a female is not of God and is cannot be from God. So if, what we can take away quickly here is that if you would ever dress to be perceived in the opposite sex, either than your sex, you are violating the order of God. That's why I said you have to say that my dressing matters to God and it has Im great impact on me and on others. So in this regard, transvestism, most times today we call it cross-dressing, is a total violation in God's order. A practice of dressing in a way or in a manner that, that is associated traditionally. Please note that word. Traditionally with the opposite sex. Please note that word. Traditionally with the opposite sex. That is a violation of the order of God. So verse 13 to 16. Judge among yourself, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature, now another word is introduced here, nature. Does not even nature itself teaches you that if a man has long hair, 
is it is it it is a dishonor to him but if a woman has long hair it is a glory to her for her hair is given to her for a covering you know i've heard many people use this place in a sense to justify uh, why women should not cover her hair you see when you don't study and read the Bible and leave it at it, you'll be, you see, when you come with the, into the scripture with an agenda, eh, you, that's the first thing to err on. When you are coming to defend your point, your experience, no, our experience does not tell us how the scripture should be interpreted. We submit everything, even if you are doing experience and it works. Sir, the fact that it works does not mean it is right. Maybe you need to go and study the, the story of Moses and see what disqualified him from entering the promised land. He was asked to strike the rock, not to speak to the rock, you understand? But he struck the rock and water came out. And the people who were angry with him drank it and they were satisfied. But that was what disqualified him. So the fact that something works does not mean actually it's right. And so, but if anyone seems to be contentious, seems to argue, you understand? If you want to argue this thing, Paul was telling the Corinthians church, it's not to you first. It's to the what? He said, if you want to argue about this thing that I'm telling you, he said, we have no custom. Are we together? We have no custom, no, to the churches of God. Please note this word. We have no custom. We have no custom. So, head covering and long hair for the woman, an uncovered head and a short hair for the man are what? They are customarily in where? In Corinth. That is, if you want to identify a woman fast, you are in Corinth. It's to see does she have a long hair. You can't mistake it because these are things that are attributed and associated to a woman. Are we together? Quickly you can understand this is a woman, this is a man. Are we together? Without confusion. So what does it mean? Does even nature, that's another thing we need to clarify. It self teaches you if a man has long hair, he dishonored. That means if you are introducing nature, our understanding of nature is that what is inherent, that is, you came with it, you didn't put artificial things. Are we together? Where's my brother Jonathan? Did you put artificial things? <laughs> Amen. Is he a weak or what? You know what I'm saying? Now, <laughs> hallelujah. Now, the issue is that does nature even so is trying to remember we saw the first argument is creation. Are we together? Now we have seen another argument. He's trying to give another argument that nature itself teaches us that no. So ideally, if we we're going to interpret this, we will say actually men don't supposed to have long hair except they put something artificial. Because naturally, it's supposed to inherently come like with short hair. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are we together? That's, I had a confusion about this. You understand? 
Now, Apostle Paul was saying that God, he wasn't saying, was he saying actually just like we're trying to contemplate? He, he wasn't actually saying that. That's not what he said. Because of course, we already know, for example, just like my brother left his own. And if he leaves his own, more and more it will grow beyond that. Are we together? So that means inherently, naturally, any man that leaves his hair will grow. And it will be as long as that of a woman. Are we together? So that suggests that that might not be what Paul meant by nature. Because I tell you, Paul is not stupid. He's very intelligent. This is common sense. Are we together? So when he was writing, he knew exactly what he meant. And our task is to dig to understand what actually he meant there. And so looking at nature, maybe probably aside from a, hum a human, looking at nature generally, because he, he mentioned nature, he didn't say just only human. So it's good to look at nature also. But what Paul, if we look at our definition of nature, then that means it is the opposite we see in nature. Because we see things, I mean, animals like lion, the cock, seems to have longer hair than even the female. The male. Do you see your guy here? <laughs> you see? You see? So that means what Paul is saying is an opposite. If that's, we'll go with that. <laughs> So, that does not mean actually, because you can see the cock has more hair than the head. And even even longer, I mean, we can say the feeders and the rest. That's not actually what Paul meant by nature itself. Now, I believe with the whole of my heart that when Paul was saying nature, he was requiring that God intrinsically Design a male to be repulsive towards or putting, or, I mean, towards wearing or putting on things or symbols that culture, that culture inclines to the females. That is naturally we are built inside of us. To love our maleness and to also love your femaleness. If you are gravitating toward the opposite sex, something is wrong. Something is wrong. So, this is very true also with the female. Her intrinsic design, femaleness makes her repulsive, makes her to dislike, makes her to feel ashamed to wear or to put on things that are culturally inclined to the woman or to the, I mean, to the man. God made us this way. And that's why if you see me one day <laughs> entering the church with my skirt and blouse, on my high heel and with my lipstick. How do you do it? <laughs> Catwalking in the sun? 
just know that something unnatural has happened to me. And you must help me. <laughs> Are we together? So, once you see a man beginning to gravitate and love the things of women, culturally defined symbols, things, know that something unnatural is happening. Because naturally, we are intrinsically to be repulsive to what what identify as a woman. I mean, as a man or as a woman, depending on one's sex. Are we together? This is true. This is true. Now, what is the takeaway generally? What can we take from all these scriptures? Now, the central message, I don't want us to forget the central message. Because if you remove the central message, you will have error in interpretation. The central message again is God ordained order of authority must be what? Recognized and must be honored even by our dressing as we come to worship together. It must be recognized and must because this, listen, order is not just because you keep this one here without anything. You keep that one. All that is also to respect God's ordained structure. That is, he said, males, this is how it is. Don't confuse it. So as we come to worship, this must be recognized and this must be honored even in our dressing. Then that means you are honoring God. But if you dress in a way, you are a man that shows you are a woman, you are dishonoring God even if you are singing. Because how God made you inside, internally, is to be repulsive. Are we together? Is to be repulsive to what, what is culturally, culturally assigned to the opposite sex. In applying, this is very important. Now we will do the application very well. Because that's the lesson. We have learned. Now, in applying 1 Corinthians 11, 2 to 6, we must be careful. This is where the text appears to be controversial among believers. Now, there's a distinct distinction between uh, principle and practice. While principle is unchanging, but practice changes from place to place and from generation to generation. Because culture is not the same. Even in a certain place, culture changes depending on many things. This is very important. You see, we're going to talk about other things because we don't hold on culture because culture is not the one that determines a believer's decision. But God also acknowledges culture. Are we together? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. I hope you understand. Because I told you we're going to. So don't just pick. I want to caution us. Don't just pick this one and run with it alone. You'll be making error. Because the scripture must be held in wholesome, in totality. Are we together? 
Are we together? So for instance, if in the Western world, I'm going to give you an instance, you can shake hands with a woman and it will mean a friendly greeting. When you move to the Arab world <laughs> and you do the same, that means disaster for you. You see, it's the same action but different interpretation because the culture differs and they have different way of greeting a woman which is different from the western world this is very important now in the Turkish and Pastor Chidi will, will really uh, resonate with this one you understand unlike the other parts of the world when you note like this in most of where we are coming when you note what does it mean yes. here when you do like this it's no now you see so you cannot, that's why you have to be very careful in distinguish between principle and practice. Now, if, if, for example, the Bible says, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Let's say you want to practice that here in Turkish culture. How will you do it? <laughs> you see? But when you move down to your country, I, I mean, how do you do it? You see, it will be different the way you practice it, but the principle remains the same. And the people around you get the message in which you are sending. So Apostle Paul often said, let me make an example with this one again. He said, greet one another with your holy kiss. He, he has said this thing over and over in many scriptures. <laughs> I hear some people are laughing already. Now, let's imagine you walk into the church. You see? Hey, hey. Hey, hey. If I walk into the church and I just find you, immediately I step in the church, you come to kiss my wife. <laughs> what do you think I will do to you? Now, you see? You can also imagine, let's say you find a lady for the first time that came to church, right? And the first thing you come to her, you want to come and kiss her. Is there anything wrong with it? Is there anything wrong with it? Yes. Yes. Are you not practicing scripture? No. You see, what kissing meant in that culture when Paul was writing that in the first century is different from what kissing means now in the 21st century. Now, we still have cultures today, I suppose, that kissing on the cheek to a woman or a man means a warm way of greeting. Yeah. Understand? If you are in such culture, applying greet one another with a holy kiss directly wouldn't mean a problem. It would mean a problem. Now, this indicates that this is what I want you to hold here. It indicates that 
The application of scriptures will differ from culture to culture and from generation to generation. The application of scripture will differ from will differ from culture to culture and from generation to generation. Can the instruction of Paul greet one another with a holy kiss be applicable in every culture? Yes. Can it be applicable in every culture? Yes. Hey, can it be applicable to in every culture? Yes. Because the principle can be applicable in every culture. But how? By understanding the principle, the unchanging principle, and correctly applying it, that is a practice in the context of which you are now, based on your culturally accepted ways or symbols. And the principle in Paul's instruction is to do what? Is to greet one another. Don't shun one another. Greet one another. The question is, in your culture, how do you greet? How do you greet? How do you greet one another in oneness? Please just give me some few minutes. I have to finish this one. It's very important. We can't leave it here. How do you greet children? How do you greet women? How do you greet men? How do you greet elders? You know, in our cultures, we have different ways. In Yoruba culture, you have to lie flat. You see that? Where I came in Nigeria, in, in the north, when you see an elder, you do like this. You see? We have different ways. You understand? But imagine you come to my place and you just, you want to shake an elder like they used to do in Europe. You know, in Europe, they don't care about that one. You understand? I went to Israel. They call the professor with his name. Even here in Turkish land, we don't do like that. You do that, oh my God. It's a height of irresponsibility here, but in Israel, it's not. You hear a student, the first time I enter, my professor, distinguished man, his name is Ariel. Ariel! <laughs> you see, but because the way I was brought up, I can't call somebody like that with his first name. Except he's my friend. Because in my culture there, it's different. But you see, I'm going to another different culture. It's different. And they're not offended because that's how they are. But you don't carry that and take it to another place. The same principle, but different practice. And there's nothing you will get today that when you read scriptures, that's what we call application. Learn the principle. Then how do you apply it? That's why, you see, many of us, even when we go for evangelism, we are repulsive. People reject us because you are trying to impose the culture you know into their own. So you take them out because you are sending the wrong message. Because your dressing communicates. Now, in the culture here in North Cyprus, the question is that does a woman with an uncovered head signifies she is rebellious to authority? Because that's the question you need to ask. When I see a woman with an uncovered head, does that signify she's not under authority? That's the question you need to ask. 
Now, that means there are still dressing here that will connote that a man or a woman has no regard for God or authority. You cannot say that you honor God's authority over your life when your dressing is contrary. And so a person's way of dressing can communicate honor or dishonor, submission or rebellion to God's order or God's grace. As a married woman, you should dress to show that you have regard for your husband. Do not dress as if you are not under an authority. As a married man, you should dress to show that you are a responsible leader. You are a responsible leader. Do not dress as if you have no, as if you are a, 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 a boy without authority. As an unmarried person, you should dress to show that you have regard for your parents, that you have regard for your pastors, that you have regard for your elders. Dressing shows you dishonor a person. When you want to go to see SWAT and you put black or bathroom slippers, what do you think would, would signify to him? It's an insult to him. You don't need to say anything. That's the same thing what many of us do here. We come here addressing insult God and insult his order. It's a sin. Your dressing communicates. I want you to say this to your person here, close up to you. Say that your dressing communicates. Your dressing communicates. It reveals whether you honor God or not. I want you to know. Let your dressing reflect your position in Christ. Let it communicate his glory. And when I mean communicate his glory, because we're going to talk about the issue of indecent, indecent person. But in this regard, your dressing communicating God's glory is that you appear in a way that does not confuse your sex. Yeah, that's what we have been discussing. Anytime you address that, that seems to suggest and gravitate toward the opposite sex, you are dishonoring God. Are we together? Do not dress like a rock star or a war when you are a queen. Do not dress like a gangster or a houseboy when you are a king. No. Ghosts of them position and roles are depicted in our sexes. That's what we are saying. Any dressing that tends to confuse this difference between a male and a female is against God. Embrace your gender difference in dressing. And we have said it already. Cross-dressing is against God's order. In current, covered head and long hair are customary for women. And uncovered head and short hair are customary to men. This was how men and women were distinguished in color. But this may not necessarily be the case in all places around the world. Or from all generation. How are men and women distinguishing your culture? How? It is against God to dress in such a way that confuses your femininity or your masculinity. Let's pray. I believe in you.
for listening to our sermon today. We hope you were blessed by this teaching. If you want to learn more about our church, please visit our website or follow us on social media. We would love to connect with you and hear your feedback. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel and share it with your friends and family. You never know who might need a word of encouragement.